0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode number 67, the last one for season 3. I'll say more about season 4 later at the end of the show. For today, we're here to become better equipped and more inspired to transform our relationships into the best they can be. In prior episodes, I talked about listening and the role that questions play in deepening our relationships. I gave a number of examples and several stories I shared. But you know, there's something about seeing it demonstrated that for a lot of us makes it easier to understand. So that is what we're doing in today's show. Hopefully what you hear today will equip and inspire you to ask better questions to deepen your relationships. If you listened to episode 66 from last week, you may remember I had a conversation with Maureen Kasdorff, who shared about the time she seriously considered taking her own life because of how depressed and hopeless she was feeling at that time. Today, I'm going to go back over excerpts from that conversation and comment on what was going on in my mind as I listened to Maureen and how I used the question-asking principle we've been considering recently. You'll be able to hear what went well, as well as where I needed to improve. So let's go. I should tell you first that a listener to last week's episode asked if I gave Maureen a list of questions ahead of time before our conversation. I did not. She didn't know what I was going to ask. (laughs) We didn't need a list. All I needed to do was to think about what life must have been for her during that difficult time in her life and then follow her lead with questions in response to whatever it is she said. That's all we needed. No list at all. And you know, that's all you need, too, in your conversations. What prompted the conversation I wanted to have with Maureen was her Facebook post from about eight months ago, which I will read in just a second. Shortly after she put up her post, I saw her in person at church, and asked her if she would be willing to be a guest on this podcast to share her story behind her brief Facebook entry. She agreed without hesitation. I told her it may be a while before we do the interview because of other things I had lined up for the show, and she was fine with that. So, when we recorded our conversation several weeks ago, I prepared nothing other than to think, what might it be like? for Maureen that prompted her to post her entry about suicide. It evoked a number of questions in my mind. These were follow-up questions, which I did not want to write down because I didn't want our conversation to sound like an interview, even though that is what it is. I wanted the questions to come naturally and organically as we moved along in our discussion. For as often the case... People will answer our questions without us even having to ask them, if we just let people talk. We began our conversation by exchanging pleasantries, and then I said to Maureen, I want to read what you wrote, and then I'd like you to comment about it. So listen in to what I read back to her, and how we got started. Five and a half years ago, I thought there was no other way. And then there's the hashtag suicide awareness and call this uh, 800 number. And then you wrote available 24 hours every day. Mercy. Mercy. Tell me what prompted that.
1: Well, uh, the-
0: as you heard, we started with me making a statement, which was really a question tell me what prompted that. It comes off as a little cold to me now. I wish I had phrased it more as a question and been a little warmer with Maureen in the beginning. She answered my question by saying September is National Suicide Awareness Month and she wanted to draw attention to that fact and to help people who struggle with this issue. She said she wanted to give people hope. Then there was a pause in the conversation, and once again I asked a question, partly in the form of a statement. Well, tell us about your suicidal journey. How how did that start and how's that going? How's that going now? Well, Maureen goes on to talk about bouts of anxiety in college, and then more anxiety when she became a mother and was more isolated. I wanted to ask, well, what were you anxious about? Can you give me an example? Fortunately, I didn't ask because Maureen was on a roll and I didn't want to violate the cops and robbers listening principle. Have you heard of that one, the cops and robbers listening principle? It goes like this. People in law enforcement are taught that when they are interviewing a suspect or person of interest in a crime, to never interrupt that person when they are talking. Your goal is to keep them talking as long as possible. Don't say anything that will cause them to stop. That's the cops and robbers listening principle. As curious as I was about this anxiety issue, I just kept it to myself for fear of interrupting Maureen's train of thought. You may notice in these excerpts, I make a number of listening noises. Things like, uh uh-huh, yeah, oh. Hmm, wow. (laughs) In in my uh, master's program in counseling, we were taught to use listening noises as a way of identifying with the client, the other person, to help affirm and build a bond of trust with them. The problem with listening noises, though, is that they can sound canned and contrived if you're not careful. So in the real world, they really have to be sincere. For me, if I'm tracking with someone... They just come out of me naturally without thinking, like carbon dioxide when I'm breathing. But every once in a while, after Janet and I have been with someone for the evening, uh, she will smile and look at me and gently say, "Uh, You were doing it again tonight. (laughs) The it, of course, is uh, making too many listening noises. So I'm kind of working on that. Well, anyway... Uh, Maureen went on to describe how her anxiety transitioned into depression about the time of her third pregnancy, and I wondered if it had anything to do with postpartum depression. But again, asking about that would have interrupted the flow of things. If you remember what we talked about in episode 65, I described listening as dancing a waltz, where you let the other person lead and you follow them around the ballroom floor. If I had asked about postpartum depression, I'm afraid I would be leading and not Maureen. Well, Maureen continues on by sharing a key event that unlocks things for her in this next segment.
1: Really without realizing how depressed I was, I went to an OB appointment and I hadn't gained any weight, and she was concerned and... Um my husband was going to go on a, on a trip. And I said, I broke down in her office and I just said, I don't want him to go. I can't imagine being left alone with these people. I'm so, you know, overwhelmed. And she said, I think you might be depressed. And that was the first time anybody had used that word. And I Mm. just, and when she, she really unlocked it for me by, by giving a name to what I had been feeling (sighs) and the permission to have a, a have something significant to, to call it, not just, oh, I'm a little down, but it, to call it depression, yeah. I knew meant, oh, this is, this is a thing. This is really a thing. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have to do something about it. Yeah. And for me, that really did, that really did open things up in, in a really positive way because at least at that point, I could go home and say, I had a diagnosis. I'm not just a wife who doesn't want you to go on a trip. I'm depressed yeah and you and I, we have to fix this. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was important, but at the same time, IB didn't that that's not her area of expertise, and I she wasn't a great you know resource in term other than saying, you need to call somebody to get into therapy, and I'll start you on this medication. Here's
0: another point where I wanted to jump in and talk about the power of naming something that's been an amorphous albatross around someone's neck. But that would have interrupted Maureen and switched our roles on the listening ballroom dance floor. So I just shut up. We could always talk about what was on my mind later when she was finished. In this next clip, Maureen continues to talk about her feelings. Then listen to what I say.
1: kept thinking, I'm, I have to get out of this life. I have to get out of this life. It hurts too bad to be here because I kept feeling like I said earlier I kept feeling like I was failing I was feeling kids they're screaming I can't do this particular task I thought I was doing I'm depressed I'm a bad wife I'm you know and so when by by the way did this
0: those feelings were they after you started the medication or before or
1: still still after After, some of them were before but still after partly because my OB had said later we really were just spitting in the wind with that dose and i you know she and i didn't know what we didn't know but that day i put the kids down for nap and i
0: i had been going along fairly well up until this point but here is where carol said my listening grade dropped to a d she's a tough grader but i would have to agree with her i never should have interrupted maureen with uh By the way, were those feelings before or after you started the medication? This was a curiosity question. The answer to the question really would have done nothing to further Maureen's story. The question was all about me and not about Maureen. So let this be a warning. Don't do what I did. Don't let your pointless curiosity questions that lead to nowhere get in the way of the other person's story. You know, especially if Carol happens to be nearby and listening to you. Fortunately, uh, Maureen got us back on track from this derailment I caused by describing the crucial moment where she's lying on her bathroom floor and sent a text to her girlfriend. Help. Help. Maureen's cadence starts to slow down at this point, which gave me a chance to ask a follow-up question. Listen
1: in. God said to send that text and I sent it and I didn't have to do anything else. And,
0: Mm.
1: and, and that was, yeah. And I, and I didn't die and I didn't leave my life. And I got much more serious, intense, better help. Mm. And I don't have to be there anymore. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, well, how did, how did um, how did your husband respond, and how did your friends respond, and what, what did you do next?
1: Yeah, I think... Um...
0: Because Maureen had mentioned her husband, Mike, earlier, I wanted to follow up with that. I was so glad I did because his part in all this just adds to the depth of Maureen's story. For me, this was one of the richest parts of my conversation with Maureen how her friends responded to her being broken, the leveling of hurts as Maureen described it. Along with what she said, it allowed them to minister to me. It was hard for Mike, scary for him, not knowing what he'd find when he came back home. He had to ask hard questions of me that he didn't really want to ask. In this next clip, Maureen finishes talking about her husband, and then I ask another follow-up question.
1: It was surprising. We learned a lot, mm-hmm. both of us. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think you mentioned you went for therapy for counseling. Did uh, yes. How did that go? And did it? Just tell me how that went.
1: Yes, I think therapy is amazing. I love therapy. I think everybody <laughs> should go to therapy. <laughs> oh yeah. I agree. Therap- by the way, <laughs> oh, oh, I, I just think it was so helpful.
0: Carol said I started to redeem myself here from my earlier question that interrupted Maureen. I waited for her to slow down and pause so I could ask my follow-up question about therapy. And it did get a little lighthearted with the talk about how everyone needs therapy. And I did interrupt with, I agree, by the way. That interruption was okay because it added to the relaxed mood. It didn't take anything away from Maureen's story unlike my earlier interruption. I see Carol nodding her head and giving me a thumbs up on that one. Maureen then goes on to share all the things she learned from her therapist. Then I tried to summarize what she learned from him with a slight twist to make sure that I understood things correctly. That's when I asked this follow-up question. Is it fair to say that that he was able to show you that it wasn't just about the kids and being a young mom with with three little ones?
1: Um, yes, some and. But he also gave credibility to the fact that circumstances that you can't change can lead to that. Yeah. And that that I needed to do something because the circumstances weren't going to change. Yeah. And so I think, and also saying, Not everybody is cut out to do stay-at-home mom all the time very well.
0: Uh, Maureen's response, yes, but, answer, (laughs) told me I didn't get it quite right. She went on to explain she learned she didn't have to be like every other mom, that she didn't need to be perfect. So even though my partial analysis of the role her being a mother played in all this was not entirely accurate, that was okay because she provided more clarity and and uh, corrected me her response then evoked in me another follow-up question i asked so listen into this what what else did you learn from the from the counseling how else did that help you to get you through that really dark time
1: yeah i would say definitely about relationships both relationships with my family that we just in my family of origin we didn't talk about things and how that stuffing of emotions really created some of that tension inside of me where you don't tell people about that. You don't talk about that. You don't have time to feel that. I mean, we used to joke and say, well, we just got to keep going. You know, we just pull ourselves up and we just, we're German. That's what we do, you know, (laughs) and just sort of like always hardworking and you don't Mm. slack off and you don't take a day of rest and you don't, I mean, and Mm -hmm. so some of those patterns of behavior and thinking,
0: I have really grown to love the what else follow-up question. It's an invitation to the other person to talk more, to go deeper. It almost always unlocks more of the person's heart. And for verbal processors, it's especially meaningful. So you can give this a try yourself. See how many times you can work in what else into your conversations with people. In the previous excerpt, Maureen mentioned she learned more about relationships in her time with her therapist. Her comment drew out another follow-up question within me. I asked Maureen this question as she finished up what she was saying in this next segment.
1: It helps talk to somebody who knew more than I did, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, our podcast is, is really all about relationships, and, and can you speak to that component of your story maureen you know what role did your relationships uh have in your in your journey from where you were to uh where you are now
1: sure well i i mean I love my therapist. And when I saw him in public the first time outside of, of our um, meetings, I was just like jumped for joy. I was, so excited. I was like, oh, I love that man. He's so good. He's been so good to me. He's been so good in my life. And, you know, I still kind of get like, he's like a celebrity to me because that relationship was so transformative for me and it was so positive. Um, and I have girlfriends now where.
0: I love that story about how she loves her therapist. He sounds like one of the really good ones. Her relationships with her girlfriends and the empathy she developed coming from her own hurt was quite touching. She talked about her strengthened relationship with her husband, Mike, and her parents. After Maureen finishes talking about her mom and dad, I make an observation and follow up to what she had just said.
1: And now we have a very, very close relationship and mm. It wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't gotten healthy, I don't think. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a lot of good has come out of a really, really dark time for you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that it's over. I would say that I, I still take medication every day Mm -hmm. and I, and I still have seasons that can be trickier and, Mm. but I'm in managed care. So Somebody asks me at those appointments, you know, in the fall and in the winter, do we mm. need to tweak some things? Because when you are stuck at home with kids who can get sick and you, they don't go to school and you don't do anything that you wanted to do, when days on end feel like that, yeah, yeah. because your circumstances can't change. They still need their mom. Yeah. I I have to take medication to help me be present to them and and whole for them. I, mm-hmm. You know, the kids sometimes ask, what are you taking medicine for, mom? It's for my brain, really, because mm. I know a lot of healthy habits, but i i'm not sh- I'm not sure that the that the chemicals and the patterns in my brain are rewired yet. And I just some people.
0: That's a yeah. really great answer. <laughs> that really is a well, great answer.
1: Yeah, to adults I, too. Yes, because I there's too much to lose if I stop taking it right now. We'll have
0: an episode next season in the fall about observations and how they can be even more powerful than questions. Notice how Maureen responded to my observation. It's the same effect as a follow-up question I mentioned before. It's an invitation to share from a deeper corner of one's heart, which is really what she did. Maureen is talking now about the present, about the other side of the tunnel where the light is. And then her explanation to her young children of what she's taking medicine for, it's for my brain, (laughs) and and then I jump in with, well, that's a great answer. I I was just really caught up in the joy of that simple but highly accurate pharmacological explanation for her toddlers. You know, it's okay once in a while to interrupt like that. Here's my next question to Maureen, another follow-up question. Did you get any reaction from people back last September when you posted that on Facebook? I mean, I frankly was surprised because you know yeah. I, I see you at church and yeah. you, know, you were the last person I would have thought would yeah. have had suicidal tendencies, and yeah. and uh, my heart just went out to you and and um, and so I'm wondering if you gotten if you had any other uh, reactions from people uh, when you posted. I that. I did,
1: I really did, and you know social media has.
0: I asked two closed-ended questions along the lines of, did you get any reaction to your Facebook post? Maureen's answer was essentially yes, but she went on to elaborate. She's a a very articulate and verbal person, so I got away with a closed-ended question. But don't expect the same result when you're talking to a teenage boy or someone behind the counter at the motor vehicle department. A more open-ended question would have been, What kind of reaction, if any, did you get to your Facebook post? That would have been better. I noticed uh, something else in the last clip, and that was how Maureen was reacting to my questions. Four times she said, yeah. These were her listening noises that showed she was tracking with what I was saying. We were listening well to each other in our listening waltz. And for a brief moment, I was leading and she was following. You know, great conversations do that, back and forth. I hope you find that dynamic in your conversations, where sometimes you lead, but more times than not, you follow. Maureen goes on to describe the wonderful reactions she received from people, which I found quite moving. People even sent her flowers, over a Facebook post no less. She then mentions again what motivated her to write that post, and then I make an observation that follows up on her comment: give a listen
1: and yeah. I didn't mean it as a cry for help, but because it wasn't in a time of crisis for me. it was just you know I've been there yeah. and and if you're there right now you you don't have to be there alone,
0: yeah, yeah, it has it it had the tone for me of of i've i've been in a in a in a bad place and I'm kind of moving out of that and there's help yeah. for help for you too. Yeah. And then the yeah, last line mercy. Oh, I love that. Mercy.
1: Yeah. Cuz yeah. it was
0: Here again, Maureen and I are tracking together about the mercy she mentions in her post. She elaborates on it in a really beautiful way. You really should listen into episode 66 if you haven't already done so. It goes into it in a lot more detail. Well, by this time, our conversation had gone for longer than I had asked Maureen to plan for, and I expected her kids would be needing her soon. So after Maureen talks about how grateful she was for the help she received, I asked her another follow-up question to start wrapping things up.
1: I, I'm i so grateful that it worked. Yeah,
0: yeah. What what advice would you have, Maureen, for for people that uh that are in the situation that you were in a while back? What what suggestions um, would you have for them?
1: Oh God. <laughs> oh, I mean the first step is to say something's not right.
0: When I asked my what advice do you have question, there was a longer than normal pause before Maureen answered. I could hear the wheels spinning in her head as she formulated a response. This period of silence when people are thinking sometimes makes us as a listener feel a little uncomfortable. But as I've said on other occasions, let silence do the heavy lifting. And that was what was happening here. Maureen went on to give some very wise and thoughtful suggestions, far deeper than you'd find in places like People magazine. All this to say, don't be afraid to allow for silence in your conversations. In this final clip, after Maureen finishes with the advice she has for people, I ask one last follow-up question, which she answers, and then I make one last observation. So listen in as we bring this plane in for a landing.
1: It's really good to accept help both for the recipient and
0: the giver mm. yeah 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 well any 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 last words you you would have I mean I've taken a lot of your time here already this oh. afternoon and uh, but this has just been fascinating to me and I um, I guess what I see I see uh, God just all over your story from the time that you were ready to take those pills and yeah. uh, you texted somebody and and and, and God just surrounded you with people that that were there to help you. I just think that's very encouraging.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he used the most broken of the people I knew at that point. Mm. I mean, the people who, the gal who lived around the corner, her name is Kristen, and she said later, when you texted me, I was just in the middle of crying at my kitchen table saying, I can't do my day. Hmm. Her, her family life was in shambles, and she was just really struggling. And God didn't ask her to do her day. He asked her to do mine. Mm. And wow. that that was just, um, you know, and then my friend, the first responder, she has been through so many, so many seasons of brokenness. And she happened to be in one of amazing, she was close, she was healthy, and she could come, but she could speak from places of hurt and need and health care. And, but then she went back into seasons of need. And so that was huge that he used these very broken people in the middle of it to show me and to show them. They mm. still had a lot to share. Yeah. Um, and yeah. God was so in orchestrating it that it couldn't have been done more perfectly. My children did not see me on the floor in the bathroom oh, and they don't remember, you know, people responding like that. Mm-hmm. And so again, there was mercy that he spared them that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as often is the case, many times the last part of a substantive conversation is the deepest and richest. My any last words question is just another variation of what else? Both are very powerful follow-up questions we can use in many different contexts. Try incorporating this question as you conclude conversations, and you'll be surprised how often the best stuff comes up in response. These what else questions are like Jesus' first miracle at the wedding feast in Cana. You know that story. They were running out of wine at the wedding reception. So Jesus turned some plain old water into wine that was later praised as the best wine, not the watered-down stuff served at the end of most wedding receptions. May your questions be like second wine, the best wine. Any last words? Or what else will help get you there? Like any good conversation, this one left me wanting at the end. Wanting to know more about the other person, in this case Maureen. I wanted to know more about her husband Mike and how he coped with all this. He must be a gem of a guy. I wanted to know more about her friends who in the midst of their own brokenness helped lift Maureen out of that dark pit she was in. And I wanted to know more about Maureen, for hearing her story was also hearing God's story and moving in her life and conforming her more and more into his image. Good conversations do that. They, they really do. May all the rest of us do what we can do to create an environment where conversations like Maureen and I had are commonplace where they're the norm and not the exception, because God made us for this. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. God uses broken people to help broken people. Well, now that you've heard all this, what can you do in response Well, one thing is to make it your goal to have people tell you, thank you for asking, be it in a comment they make, an email they send, or a note they mail. And then you can ask God to show you how you can use your brokenness to bless other broken people, relying on the wisdom, strength, and grace He gives you. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Well, in closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. While this concludes Season 3 of the podcast, I look forward to continuing to connect with each of you through my emails every Wednesday. They will be brief, unlike this episode, with some thoughts, ideas, or suggestions to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. During this off-season, I will be working on expanding the reach of the podcast to help more people of faith find more joy in their relationships. I'd appreciate any help you can give me by forwarding the podcast on to others, subscribing to it yourself, and even writing a review in iTunes. And I'm certainly going to be working on the content and interviews for Season 4, which will start the Wednesday after Labor Day, September 9th. Please let me know any relationship topics that you would like addressed or the names of any people you would like me to interview. That would really be fun. And now, to end this episode and our season, this is our Relationship Quote of the Week. I'm going to go with something Maureen Kasdorf said near the end of our conversation. It's this. Broken people have a lot to share. Broken people have a lot to share. I just love that. Well, that's all for today. Uh, See you next week if you signed up for my email list. Otherwise, I'll be back in your life on September 9th when Season 4 begins. In either case, bye for now.